Hey everyone, welcome back to Birdie Bitch. My name is Maddie Belden and I'm the host. Today I got to speak with Andrew O'Leary. Andrew is a member of the Notre Dame men's golf team. He has played four years there and just recently graduated undergrad from there, um, but he's going to get a master's and has an extra year of eligibility. So he's actually going to be playing one more year there. Um, Just a little background on him. He played six years of golf at Catholic Memorial in Massachusetts, and there he won two state championships. He also was the 2016 Boston Globe Player of the Year. He's made it to match play in the U.S. Junior Amateur. He also recently qualified for the U.S. Amateur, which is being held in New Jersey in a couple of weeks from when this is being recorded. Um, He's currently ranked 466th in the World Amateur Golf Rankings, Um, and he won the Rhode Island Am in 2019, and then he made it to the final match in both 2020 and 2021. Um, he also, I never asked him, which I should have, but I, I don't know if this record still stands. I'm assuming it does. Um, he broke the course record at Pawtucket Country Club in uh, 2020. He shot a 61 in the Rhode Island Amateur qualifying round. So he is a very accomplished golfer, and I thought it'd be cool to dig a little bit deeper into his routines and, you know, the mental side of things, because you can be a good ball striker and a a good putter all you want, but if you don't have a good mental game, then you will never make it as far as he has made it. Um, He's also my boyfriend's brother, which is how I got him to come on. So if we reference Pat, which I know he did, Pat is my boyfriend, and he is also Andrew's brother. So that's the relation there. Um, So without further ado, I will let you into the interview. Okay. Hi, Andrew. How are you? I'm good, Maddie. How are you? I'm good. Thanks for coming on. Very excited to talk to you. Very excited to talk to somebody that is a a good player because I haven't had really any players on um although my dad might say that he is he's the play <laughs> i'm sure he would <laughs> <laughs> i always had to throw little digs at him in yeah. my podcast now <laughs> um <laughs> so just to jump right into it um i'd love to go back to your early days of golf maybe middle school high school um did you always know that you wanted to play college golf was like that like always a goal for you um i think when i was young my parents tried to throw me into just a lot of sports at once and just kind of see what happened. So like when I was young, I played like hockey, golf and baseball at, you know, decently high levels for all of them. And I think around the age of probably like 11 or 12, it started becoming pretty apparent that golf was my best one. So I, you know, began to dedicate more time to that. And, you know, eventually it was like just very clear by the time I was in like middle school, like, yeah, this is what I want to do. So I'm going to just basically dedicate my life to this. Gotcha. And I'm sure playing all of the other sports also helped develop you as like a, a well-rounded athlete. Yeah, um, exactly. So when you were, when you decided that golf was like your thing and you decided to, to go all in, how did you um, go about getting noticed by schools like Notre Dame? Like, were there certain tournaments or certain people that you might've reached out to? Like, how would you suggest that um, middle or high schoolers start getting noticed by these types of schools besides being good obviously (laughs) that helps well yeah like when I was growing up I always wanted to kind of go south to play golf like just naturally I felt like the better schools um better golf schools and better players were down there so in the summers I would usually 
make sure to go down at least two or three times to play down. I've played, I played in like Georgia and Alabama and, you know, against a lot of those schools in the Southeast. Cause that's originally wanted to go to Duke. So that was kind of, I would try to gear my schedule around getting in front of those coaches as much as I could. Um, and then, you know, as I got older, it kind of became time to like broaden my scope and look at a bunch of schools and, uh, you know, Notre Dame was on my radar because I had two aunts and two uncles that went there. So yeah. I was always getting the Irish shoved down my throat growing up. Um, so I always knew about them and knew how good of a school it was and stuff like that. Um, so, you know, time came around when I was probably in like freshman year high school, where I just kind of put together a list of like 10 schools and really started sending emails to those schools and tried to get in front of them, play in front of them as much as I could. Um, and then from there, it just kind of got narrowed down to basically between Duke and Notre Dame and kind of just would gear my schedule around playing in front of them as much as I could and being in touch with them as much as I could form a relationship with those coaches just to see which one I liked better and which one I thought was the best fit for me. Gotcha. And I'm, I'm sure it helps that Notre Dame was a good, good uh, academic school as well, because you never know what you're going to do in the future. So, yeah, I, um, I know like when I was first kind of getting looked at by schools i got a, a a letter actually a handwritten letter sent in the mail which i don't know if it's, if it's actually legal because it was like my <laughs> sophomore year of high school and uh, i won't name the school but it was like a state school and my mom was just like no chance you're going to <laughs> oh i think school. i know what you're talking about <laughs> <laughs> but yeah so it was definitely not going to be allowed to go to like I wasn't gonna be allowed to go to a school like that I was gonna yeah. go to a top academic school with my mother or it just wasn't gonna I wasn't yeah gonna your mom wouldn't be down for that yeah yeah exactly <laughs> might have been fun though yeah, um maybe. so overall in now moving on to college um how many hours per week would you say that you put towards golf because I know everyone looks at golf as like oh it's so fun and like playing college sports must be so fun but like it's really like a full-time job um especially at the level that you're at so how many hours per week would you say that you put towards um golf practice meetings workouts all that stuff when you're at school hmm. so I feel like I might be a little different than most people because I'm not someone that I feel like I'm very naturally gifted I feel like I lose my feel very quickly if I don't keep playing so I practice and play I feel like more than even most other college golfers that are of like similar abilities so I would say like during the summer and during school when there's enough light, I like to practice between like seven to eight hours a day and usually only take like one day off every two weeks. So, I mean, there's some days where that varies, obviously, if yeah. I'm just gassed, I'll only, you know, I'll take a day off or only practice for like two hours. I'll just go chip and putt a little bit, something like that. But um, I would say, yeah, I would say I practice roughly, you know, between 40 to 50 hours a week, I would say. Yeah, so it's it's a full-time job or it's, yeah work. it's basically a job yeah um, and then how often do you guys are you guys required to like work out and do stuff like that for the team yeah I mean we have two one-hour lifts a week or three in the off season but in season we have two um but a lot of the times I actually will just work out on my own at nights um I used to do that with my roommates this year we would just go to the gym from like nine to ten at night and I'm, I'm like starving so i'm like okay, we have we just went like straight from practice to the gym like we haven't even eaten dinner we haven't eaten food in eight hours and now we're going to the gym so we kind of got into that routine uh, of doing that but uh yeah i mean generally we just have the two-hour lift uh with the team gotcha um and then how much time getting specific i guess would you say of those seven or eight hours a day that you practice 
what do you dedicate it to? Like, do you chip and putt for three hours or like, how do you break it down? Does it depend on how you played last week or anything like that? Yeah. So like my general rule of thumb would be about two hours of putting one hour of chipping two hours of hitting balls on the range and then a three hour round. So that would be like my ideal day if I could just lay it all out and like there wasn't something specific that I was really here like trying to work on. That's how kind of how I would structure it. Um, I do that a lot. So would you, if you had like your last tournament the past week and you were horrendous at putting, would you like double the time that you were practicing putting or would you just try to stick to I would probably just, I would, I would stick to the same, pretty much the same schedule, but I would just do maybe different drills. Like I might work a little more on technique or if I know I'm putting well, then I'll do like drills that are extremely difficult and I have to like, you know, complete my way through the drill essentially, but like a drill harder than I would usually do. Um, if I'm, you know, really feeling good about my putting. So yeah, I just kind of, you know, based on how I'm feeling, I guess I do change my practice and how I practice a little bit day to day. And is that all up to you or do you receive like requirements or guidance from your coaches that you have to follow? Um, not necessarily. Well, during the school year, I suppose we do when we have structured practices, like at school, they'll kind of look at, we have to plug in all of our stats for every round, um, every tournament round we play. And they'll look at those stats and kind of analyze where our strengths are, where our weaknesses are. So, you know, if we, you know, our up and down percentage that week was only like 45% when it should be 60, then we're going to have a bunch of up and down drills to do. We, we kind of just expect that. But um, gotcha. so in that sense, yeah, it changes quite a bit. Yeah, I can imagine. Um, and then because do you guys take five people or six people to tournaments? Five. Yep. Five. So and how many people do you have on your team? We have 10. 10. So do you every single week have qualifying or is it just what the coach decides? So we'll have qualifying like at the beginning of the semesters. So we'll have like a big qualifier in August where we'll play probably somewhere between six and eight rounds. And then another one in January and February, we play like six to eight rounds. And there is some turnover throughout like the rest of the year. But that first qualifier is generally pretty important. Because if you don't make the lineup in that qualifier and then the other starting five, like keep playing well, the coach will generally just keep those starting five in the lineup um, for the majority of the tournaments. Unless one kid starts playing poorly, then you then, you know, the other five guys have a chance to try to fill his spot. But first qualifier is usually very important. Um, I just asked because. You know, I played college golf and it was also division one, but it was nowhere near even close to the level that you're at. And so we never even had enough people to do qualifying. (laughs) Everybody just went because we had like five people on the team. So there was (laughs) never even like everyone qualified. doesn't matter if you shot 65 or 105. (laughs) Uh, (laughs) So moving into like actually playing tournaments, um, what does your typical morning look like if you have like a 9 30 tea time like what does your morning look like um do you have any like little superstitious things or is it like like you're a robot like you walk through and do the same thing like minute by minute or does it change I guess Mm -hmm. I guess one kind of funny superstition I have is I have to go out to the beginning of a tournament round with every single groove on all of my my club's completely clean. So I stand there 
in the morning or the night before in front of like the same you know hotel so i'm just standing yeah. at the hotel like, with a couple tees and i literally just go through and get every single piece of dirt out of all my grooves from my wedges through my putter like literally just everything um so that that's something i do um and then as far as like <laughs> it's very actual, dedicated <laughs> yeah i know as far as the actual routine of like my morning i'll usually get up try to have pretty big breakfast, maybe like, you know, eggs and like a protein shake or something. So I'm pretty full. I don't really like eating on the course very yeah. much. I usually have like one power bar. Um, so I try to get full before I go out there and I'll get it kind of down to a science now where I get to the course an hour and 20 minutes for my time because I usually will pop for 20 minutes, then chip for 10. Then I'll go to the range and hit balls for 30 minutes and then I'll pop for 10. I'll go to the tee like 10 minutes early. Um, so it's about an hour 20. Um, and that might change a little bit depending on if it's like an irons only range or something like that. Yeah. I don't need my full 30 minutes to warm up, but for the most part, most courses I play, I usually do about an hour and 10 minute warm up. Gotcha. Um, which I think is more than most people do. So even if you're yeah. listening to this and you're not a college golfer, you're just an amateur golfer, I think you can learn something about warming up. <laughs> Yeah. Do you like, do you stretch foam roll? Like I know you have like a, a Theragun like machine or a massage gun. Like, do you use any of that stuff or is it simply like hitting the range and, and putting and chipping? Yeah. Over like the last like two years, just with the amount of traveling I've done, my back has just slowly deteriorated. Like I feel like when I'm 50 years old, I'm barely going to have a spine anymore. So <laughs> now as since I'm older, I do have a Pretty, older you're like 22 i know 22 but i feel old some mornings when i wake up now because i just can't even move there were a couple of times this year where i just like woke up and it was difficult to even put socks on because my lower Jeez. back was so stiff and sore and so th those mornings i spent i put an absolute shift on the foam roller and with a theragun and i have kind of a, a whole lower back stretching routine that i will go through like twice um so that you know sometimes that's only like 10 minutes but sometimes if i'm really hurt and it can be like a half hour so yeah just, you know see how i'm feeling in the morning and determine that but yeah i remember waking up after like if we played 36 the first day i'd wake up in the hotel the next morning and be like i can't move. oh yeah <laughs> and then you have to go play again it's like really this is the worst there's nothing better than falling asleep though at like 9 30 after a 36 whole day when you're like oh this that's is true great. like i just and you're just dead except usually gassed. I was such a bad student that I would like leave papers to be written. And so oh, I'd like come home and I'd be in the hotel, like typing my roommate yeah. that I live with now, her and I would room together and she'd be watching like Grey's Anatomy and I'd be writing a paper that I just neglected to finish. I don't yeah. know how I passed college. Because <laughs> <laughs> I was when you're on like the 32nd hole and you're thinking of like, what do I have after this? And you're just like, Oh, I got to write a paper. I have to write a paper. Like, that is just the yeah. worst. It's like, I've been out here for 12 hours and now I get to go back. I'm exhausted and just write a five page paper. Write a paper on something that I don't know anything about. Yeah, yeah exactly. <laughs> Speaking of writing papers, do you guys, I know your travel schedule is absolutely insane when you're in season. Do you guys get like tutors or anything like that? Are you in like, certain classes for athletes because i know at i think it's like that at notre dame but holy cross really didn't care about athletes at all to be honest yeah notre dame doesn't they try to make it so that like the regular student body and the athletes are all just grouped together as much as possible so we don't have like you know special dining or classes or room you know any placement anything like that so we have the same schedule as like the other students and stuff 
Um, so we don't get any extra privileges there, but yeah, I mean, we just, you know, is what it is. Much yeah. to our complaints, but yeah, we, yeah, we, we it just kind of, can kind of be brutal when you're gone for like four or five days and yeah. you still have to stick to the same schedule of everybody that's been on campus the entire time. Yeah. But I would definitely what, put our travel schedule up there with any other team in every other sport in the country. Um, as far as how much we're gone I, in yeah, March yeah. this year, we were only on campus 12 days of the 31. So it's just like it's absurd numbers were gone. And, you know, when we come back and it's just like the professors looking at us, like I haven't seen you in my class before. And it's like, yeah. April, and you're like, Oh boy, I'm really behind now. <laughs> yeah. <laughs> Sorry. <laughs> like they don't even know who you are. Yeah. Literally. I'm like, yeah, I'm going to miss your class next week. And they're like, I didn't know you were in this class. I'm like, oh, well, even better. <laughs> yeah, just fly under the radar, show up, take yeah. the final exam and hope you pass without yeah, actually yeah. like knowing what's going on. Yeah, that's, that's the life. <laughs> um, so when you are, are playing like in a tournament round and you have a really bad hole or even like a whole bad front nine, how do you mentally recover from that? Because I know you're very good at that. I'm very bad at that. So I could be used to learn <laughs> yeah. something. Yeah. I don't, I think, I think it kind of goes back to playing a lot of different sports growing up and being, you know, frequently down in situations and just kind of having that mentality of like, okay, it's time to like regroup and refocus and really go out there and attack on, you know, either the next hole or the back nine. Um, but yeah, it is always something that I've kind of had a knack for. And I think like it's one of the stronger parts of my game. I heard, um, so one of my teammates, his name's Tai Chi, he's one of the best players in the world. He's phenomenal. Um, and he described it as every shot of the day has the potential of being your best shot of the day or possibly, depending on the situation, maybe even your best shot of your life. So if you really just look at it with that perspective, even if you made a birdie in the last hole or a 10, your next shot could be the best shot of your life. So that is something that I kind of realized and now I tell myself that every time after I have a bad front nine or bad hole and anything like that, I'm just like, all right, it's fine. It's in the past. Just got to regroup, reset and see if I can hit the best shot I can. Yeah. Next one. So, and I know you, you're very good at that in general, but recently at the North South, you had a wild, like, <laughs> what do they call it? A, a middle like Tennessee or something. Cause that's like the zip code, the nine, three, one. Did you see that? Yeah. I didn't see that, but yeah, yeah. I, I think it. I think they called it. <laughs> yeah, I think they called it a middle ten. Is middle Tennessee or middle Mississippi or something? Because nine three one is the zip code. Really? Can you just talk about that round? Because uh, yeah, I saw it on Golf Channel's website. I think I can mm -hmm. send you the link. But can you just yeah. talk about that round? Because that was literally insane. Yeah, so that was definitely the craziest round of my life by far. It's not even close. So, <laughs> um, like this. Basically, I'll go back to the start. First hole was like normal. Second hole, I got up and down for a bogey. So it was like kind of shaky start a little bit. And then the fourth hole, I chipped in for birdie. So then I was like even. And then I, I got started to get a little hot. I birdied six and seven. So now I was two under and walking on to the earth. Did you make three birdies? Yeah, I think I made three. Yeah, even I think you went birdie, birdie, birdie before the. Yeah, I think you're right. I did. Yeah. yeah. So I went. Yeah, I birdied six, seven, and eight. So now I was three under going as nine, and nine's like a very reachable par five. It's like five thirty, but like the course is pretty firm. So I was hitting my driver 
pretty easily over 300 yards um, in those conditions. And I just kind of pulled it up like the left side. And, you know, Pinehurst is very, for anyone who's played there, it's very sandy and there's like some bushy things um, along the outskirts of it. What course um, is this on? This was on Pinehurst number four. So this wasn't number two, this is number four. Um, but there was like this big bushy tree. It was probably like, I don't know, 30 feet high or something. But my ball would kind of got lodged underneath it. And it was on like all this sand and, and pine straw and stuff. So it was a pretty gnarly lie, but I thought I could kind of get in there and, and at least get it back into the fairway. Maybe if, uh, if I just made decent contact with it, essentially. Um, so I think I went in there with like a five iron or six iron, uh, took a hack at it and the sand, it just like gave out. I used to, I'm used to be like, you know, hitting off the firm bent yeah. rough. We see around here where like you can hit an inch behind the ball and it's still going to kind of come through and the ball is going to move. But down at Pinehurst, like it's sandy and the club would just went like right under the ball. So now the ball is still in the same spot. I ended up doing that like two more times, finally got it out. And then I punched it like back into the fairway. I was lying five so i was hitting six from about 215 out tried to hit a five iron onto the green pulled that that almost went out of bounds too <laughs> so i'm down the pine straw again hitting seven uh i like hack it onto the green and then i two putt for my nine i made like a five footer for nine i almost was in the double digits there um <laughs> so you're so, you're even no you're one, I'm over. one over now but like, that was the thing I was like, okay, I made a nine in this, the way the North South works is it's, there's like 110 players and 32 make match play. Um, so I knew even out, usually the cuts about even par. So I was walking off that hole, like I'm up one on one over. So if I just yeah, play the yeah. rest of my way, you know, under par, I'm still going to make match play. So I'm like, all right. And that's where that, you know, thing with Tai Chi came in. I was like, okay, this could be the best hole of my life, best shot of my life. I birdie 10, pretty standard birdie, just fairly green, made it. And then back I walked to on to 11, back to even. Walked on to 11. It was 171. It was a little downwind and off the right. So I kind of played like a high draw eight iron in there. And it just took one bounce, like five feet short of the pin and just disappeared. <laughs> I, just, I remember just dropping my club and looking at my dad. And I was just like, this is absolutely absurd. Like, what, what's going on? Now I'm back to two under after making it. I just went birdie, 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 nine, birdie, hole in one eagle. <laughs> so I was like, I don't even know. I had no, honestly, in that moment, I didn't know what I was relative to par. I yeah. Just, I just made a lot of big and small numbers. So I'm yeah. somewhere a few under, maybe. I don't really know. The rest of that round was pretty standard, but those first 11 holes were just, uh, I don't even know. Wild. Going on. Yeah. It was like I blacked out and just yeah. hitting the ball everywhere. And, oh. <laughs> <laughs> I I saw the I think I don't know who posted it but it was like a picture of you with your scorecard and like I saw that you shot 68 and I texted Pat I was like oh that's awesome 68 whatever yeah. and I had reposted it onto my story and one of uh, my friends Emily responded and was like oh my god no way like go Andrew and then she messaged me again she's like wait what happened in the middle like she was just like we both were like oh we shot 68 that's good and then we like looked closer at the scorecard we're like what the hell is going on <laughs> it's like the craziest thing yeah I got 931 after that i got a lot yeah. of from friends like is, is this actually true or is this like a mistake is it fake and i had one of my <laughs> i had one of my friends davis who's like one of my best friends in Notre Dame. i live with him this year and he's on our team and I, he texted me 
he texted me right after because they had live scoring. He texted me after I made the hole in one. So I was only like through a lot of holes. And he literally just said, Nick's in a par. And I just saw that like two hours later once I had finished. But I was just like, uh, just pretty bold move of him. To yeah. Say when I was literally out there, I could have made tens the rest of my way with the way the round was going. He just was like, I got to take Nick's advantage. In par. Just Nick's in a par. That's and I the next hole. <laughs> yeah, I just looked it up. It was on the Golf Channel thing. They call it a Middle Tennessee because that's the area code of Middle Tennessee. I didn't know that. I didn't see that. I saw like Shane Bacon reposted it. Okay, yeah, I'll send it to you. But that was on, uh, or no, Golf Channel, not Golf Digest. I don't know what I said. Um, So you have, you recently qualified for the U.S. Amateur, Mm -hmm. which is at, what is it again? Ridgewood and? Ridgewood, yeah. And Arcola. Arcola is the other one. So you qualified um it was in a playoff right for the second spot Mm -hmm. so i mean obviously it's a big event and it's tough to get into right Mm -hmm. um how do you approach a tournament like this is this like any other tournament or do you have a different mindset do you still like i know you've been you've obviously played a lot of tournament golf do you still get like nervous get the first tee jitters or is that like a thing of the past yeah, I mean, I definitely get, will get nervous for like an event like this. It just depends on what event it is. If it's yeah. like, you know, one of the top amateur tournaments in the world, I'll get nervous. But if I'm playing in like just a local thing, you know, with a bunch of people that are my friends and stuff like that, I'm I'm not as nervous. But for something like this, I'll get, you know, I know I'll get pretty nervous. I'll have to kind of mentally prepare for that ahead of time. We have like a team psychologist and, you know, I, I talk with him. I talk with him fairly frequently and stuff and just kind of make sure that I'm ready to go on that first tee and ready to go and attack rather than kind of playing conservatively and tentatively. Yeah, yeah. Cause if you do that on a course like this, I think it's like 7,600 yards and a par 70. Jeez. So it's just like every par four is just like 500 yards with like thick, rough, you know, firm, fast greens, yeah. you know, what you have all the works. And if you just go out and play tentatively and nervous and you play scared, like it's just not going to go well. So it's important to, you know, the nerves are going to be there for everyone, no matter what, but it's about just kind of channeling that and using it in like a positive way. Cause I feel like you'll be nervous, but you'll also be like more focused than you'll ever it's more important otherwise be. Yeah. Cause it's just so important. So, you know, that focus can be used to your advantage as well. So. Gotcha. Do you get uh, the same focus when you're trying to beat Pat? <laughs> <laughs> when I beat Pat? Yeah. I mean, I do have a deal with Pat that if he ever beats me, I should have thought this through more. Cause what if I like get injured one day, but <laughs> if he ever beats me in a round of golf, I owe him a hundred dollars. So there was it's one never time, happened. It has never happened. At least like since, you know, he was, you know, a hundred pounds more than me probably when I was like yeah. you know, 10 and he was 13, but then he just hit the ball so far, so much further than me. But um, <laughs> there was one time, I think it was two summers ago, we were playing Pawtucket, which is our home course. And, uh, think he was one up through 15 I wasn't playing well I was like four over and he was only three over um which is surprising for him yeah and for everyone who doesn't know he played hockey and he's a hockey player but he's playing golf yeah (laughs) it's essentially but he does get like hot sometimes and he can shoot like in the mid 70s so he was three over I was four over and it's a par 69 too so you know he was on the verge of shooting in the low 70s and then I remember I was like, I, I can't lose a hundred dollars to him. 
and I remember birdieing the last four holes, and he was like, "I'm literally just never going to be you." <laughs> I was, I mean, I was hitting it all over the place that day. Yeah. Found the will to not lose a hundred dollars to my brother and get beat by literally a player that plays a different sport. <laughs> yeah, that's pretty good motivation, I would say. Yeah. I guess. Yeah, I was like, "All right, let's focus here." <laughs> so, um. When I mentioned in the intro, you won Rhode Island AM and you've made it to the final match a couple of times other than when you won. Um, how do you look at match play? Like, what is your mindset with match play? Is it different than stroke play? Like you were just talking about with Pat, like you obviously got to turn it on. Like when you don't want to lose a hundred bucks from Pat and you're one down with three to go or whatever, like, is it a different type of intensity? Cause I feel like you can be a little bit more aggressive in match play. Yeah, I definitely would consider myself a better match play player. Match play is my favorite. That's just my favorite format in golf. Because um, I look at it just as like, not even really just golf, it's just pure competition. Like, yeah, it de- like you said, it doesn't matter. There's less pressure, really, because it doesn't matter if you make a 10 on a hole. Like, you can just go out there and play yeah. very freely. I play very freely in match play. And I almost prefer to be the underdog sometimes just because I'm like, I have literally nothing to lose. There was one match in particular this year where I was playing a player who was at the time ranked number two, the second ranked college player in the country. And I was like, no one's expecting me to win. So I may as well just go out there and basically play a little more aggressively than I generally would in stroke play and see what happens. And I ended up beating the kid, but it was like, you know, if, if it was stroke play, it could have been a very different result, but in match play, it kind of levels the playing field to an extent. And that's why I think the format of like a US amateur and stuff like that. I wish they had like PJ Tour events other than the Dell technology that were match yeah. play, just because I feel like they're so fun to watch. Um, because you see so many upsets. Um yeah, like yeah. you can make a 10 in stroke play and that's the end of your day. But if yeah. well, maybe not for you if you make birdie, birdie, birdie <laughs> in a hole in one, but a 10 in match play obviously is less detrimental usually. Yeah, yeah. Um, so yeah, I, I've always thrived in match play. Um like like you said, I won the Rhode Island Am, which is a match play event, and unfortunately lost in the finals the next two years. Um, but yeah, it's just something I've always had a knack for, I guess. I and I think part of it goes back, like I said before, just to playing other sports growing up. Um, you know, playing hockey where it's just one on one, and baseball where it's one on one. I was a pitcher too, so it was really like one on one. It's me versus the batter. Um, you know, stuff like that. Just that kind of condition your mind to to think like all right let's let's beat this kid because in i always say that like in match play the will to win is so much important whoever wants to win more is generally going to come out on top unless there's like a huge you know talent gap but yeah it's usually not the case you know in college ball that's kind of why i get i get scared with like young kids when their parents put them in every single golf tournament ever at the age of like nine and then make them like grind out on the range for like 10 hours a day. Yeah. Like have them go play hockey, go play basketball yeah. or softball or baseball or whatever. Cause like you said, it's just, it just makes you so much of a more well-rounded athlete and not even physically, but mentally Yeah. and people just get burnt out and it's really not going to do any good to put sure. an eight year old out and practice like you do at the age of 22 at a division one college it's just not good for little kids i don't think no i completely agree so sorry go ahead i was just gonna say like if i had kids like yeah definitely be playing in all sorts playing all sorts of sports and stuff just i've seen it happen so many times where you get this kid that's 
really good when he's like eight and yeah. only plays golf and then by the time he's 12 like you're like where did that kid even go is he even still alive like it just yeah no he just wants to go he doesn't have that you know the mental capacity to to play at a higher level yeah any other sports it happens too much unfortunately um just to wrap things up what is your favorite golf course that you've ever played I'm wearing the hat right now, but uh, played got to play Augusta two years ago, but two and a half years ago, because um, we have at Notre Dame, we're very lucky where we have a lot of very wealthy alums who are members at literally every course in the country. So basically, if we want to play a course, we can kind of just tell our coach, I want to play here. And as long as we're like in the area, then we can do it. And, you know, so I got to play Augusta when I was in my sophomore year. And I remember it was like a January day. It was pretty cold. It was like low fifties and we were playing the tips, which are a little over 7,500. And it just, it was so hard. I mean, yeah. it, was, it was impossible. I remember I shot 76 and I was the low scorer on my team. Oh, at, the really? time, <laughs> at the time we were the fifth ranked team in the country. <laughs> so <Jeez>. was, <laughs> was yeah. Like, so the average person yeah. going there would probably shoot a million. Yeah. The greens are simply the craziest thing. It doesn't even look like a, green like it, it's just it's like nothing you've ever seen before you have like a 10 foot putt and you're literally hitting it like the other way like 40 yeah. like 90 degrees the other way and then caddy's like no you gotta trust me here like, i promise you'll get to the hole and they're always right but like it it's simply baffling like if you threw like a 15 handicap out there on augusta's greens they would three and four putt and five putt every hole i think yeah like, i was gonna like, say every, at least three putt yeah because I mean, they weren't even. They were, obviously it was January, so they weren't master speed. They were probably running at like a, like a twelve for us. But like you know, for the masters, they're running it. I think over fifteen. Yeah, fifteen and sixteen somewhere in there. So I can only imagine when they're that fast. What putting on those greens is like. It it can't be very fun. So no, I wouldn't even want to try. I'd rather just go watch, <laughs> walk around, have a drink, and watch them do it because I could never. Yeah, yeah just watch that. Watch them suffer. That's exactly. The- yeah. <laughs> well, thank you so much for coming on. It was a pleasure having me. It's a lot of fun, Maddie.